Hey yo, welcome everybody to the Audible Farm Podcast. It is episode 206, and this episode's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Just like last week, I'm drinking Couchtown Coffee as I'm editing this podcast, and uh, which is kind of weird. I do a lot of my editing in the afternoon and nights, and sometimes I do them in the mornings, but it's it's afternoon coffee for me. Uh, I, I like coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. I drink it every morning. A lot of people drink coffee every morning. If you drink coffee every morning and you're one of those people that, that brews your own coffee, I highly suggest Couchtown Coffee. I know a lot of my friends have tried it, and a lot of them are coffee drinkers, and a lot of them have tried it and stuck with it, which is uh, a testament in and of itself to just blindly try a coffee and be like, oh, this is good, and then and then just keep buying it, especially when it's one that you heard advertised at the beginning of a podcast. But this one's special. Every bean is roasted specifically for you and shipped to your house to your specifications, and all you got to do is grind it up and have amazing coffee. So go to CouchtownCoffee.com, find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do make an order, let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they'll give you 20% off because Couchtown Coffee rocks. Thanks, Couchtown. This episode, I'm sitting down with Eric Lee. Eric's been on the podcast one other time, about a year ago, and the last time he was on the podcast, he was, I don't want to say he was new to the scene, he'd been playing shows and things like that, we kind of talked about how I'd watched him progress for about a year or so, maybe about two years, and, and now we're now we're into about, about three years in, and all I have to say is Eric is, it's one of those few people I've got to watch go from the very beginning to where he is now, and... Um, uh, Eric's a young man that is just absolutely out there killing it. He it's it's very obvious that he practices and and he takes his craft seriously and he wants to do good. Not that the rest of us are out there just farting around, but holy cow, Eric's Eric's on another level. Uh, skill level is increasing literally like every week I see him, which is pretty wild, honestly. Like there's not very many people where you'd, you you think eventually he's going to plateau off, but I haven't seen it quite yet. So get it on the ground floor with this one. This is Eric Lee. I love it. We sit down and talk about all sorts of good stuff, um, things that are going on. We didn't quite get to talking about shows that are upcoming. I will talk about that in the outro because uh, there are some upcoming shows. So make sure you stick around for the outro. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I like sitting down talking with Eric. Uh, I feel like somehow we're kindred spirits in a little bit. But uh, man, kid can sing, kid can play. It's awesome. You got to check them out live, but uh, check out this episode first. It is episode number 206 with Eric Lee. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. sitting down today talking with Eric Lee. Eric, you've been on the podcast one other time. Last time you were on, I actually looked it up. Most of the time I'm like, ah, it was on like, you know, like a year ago or something, but I looked it up before. Uh, 152 was the last episode you were on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's been a while. It It's weird because it seems like it hasn't been that long, but it also seems like it's been a long time. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I feel like ever since COVID, that time uh is no longer linear it's now this weird like wavy thing that's just like that seemed like it was yesterday when in fact it was you know 2019 and uh i mean does it feel like that for you since you are younger than me let me ask you that uh it's pretty similar i i, I tend to keep busy so it always just feels dragged out so yeah yeah definitely i mean you are i don't say like you're on the road all the time but you and your dad go to jam nights you play shows you 
don't live directly in the Fort Dodge area, but you play a lot of shows in that area and then like south of where you live. So it's, you do a little bit of traveling back and forth. Most of your shows don't take place like right in your hometown. So uh, if you want to play a show or go to a jam night or hang out with music buddies or watch someone else play, more often than not, you have to leave your town, you know, half hour drive one way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you better have gas money. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh my gosh. So, you have been playing shows though for I think we talked about it before this. Uh about 2 years maybe you've been playing solo shows. Yeah, um, um coming up on uh, December it'll be 3 years. So. 3 years. Holy cow. That's crazy. To think you've been doing it that long and as you're still as young as you are is is pretty mind-blowing to me honestly because um, one of the things that blows me away about the music scene around here is there's just enough young people where it's like, man, if I had if I had my crap together at your age, where would I be now? You know, so I always think about that kind of stuff because it's just you know, I've got I'm 15 plus years older than you, which is also weird to think of. You know, so it's like, man, where's this kid gonna be in 15 years if he just keeps after it? Six feet in the dirt, probably. I doubt it. There's no 27 club. That doesn't. That's not a thing we're <laughs> celebrating around here. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully uh, on the up and up, mm-hmm. still. <laughs> so what all has changed since the last time you've been on the podcast? Last time we were talking about doing solo shows and things like that. I know you had played a couple shows here and there with your dad. Um, you're kind of moonlighting here and there with uh, other people. Jam nights were a big thing for you. You were really cutting your teeth at jam nights. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, lots changed. A lot stayed the same, though. Uh, just playing all over the state, you know, getting to have fun. But on the flip side of that coin, I'm still very single, so probably, probably going to die alone. Um, <laughs> You're starting to learn like the sad truth that like at that cliche everyone has of just like everyone wants the guitarist. Like, nah, nah well, no, not really. Uh, yeah, uh, me and Scott Kirker had that conversation not that long ago. Uh, he uh, quit quit a band uh, drumline to go learn guitar because apparently that's what's supposed to get you laid not i am living proof that it's not true (laughs) might have might have been better off sticking on the drum line i don't know i don't know (laughs) Uh, it's really fun though to like be able to go out there and play shows uh let me like we 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 recently went to go see clint riedel play and uh i say we i was there and you get you showed up and you went up and played some songs and that's one of those other fun things is is you've established yourself in the scene around the area enough where if somebody takes a break and you're at a show and it's just some acoustic show, they'll be like, hey, swing on up here and play four or five songs, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, I get to be the time-filled bum for a bit, you know? <laughs> but it's really nice having, like, such a support group around here. And, uh, you know, I've actually gotten booked a bunch of ways just filling in for, you know, people's breaks. So it really helps out. That's that's how it is, man. Uh, when you first started going to jam nights and things like that and playing along with people or like, you know, taking your turn up on the microphone, did you ever think it was going to be like that where it's just, you know, your first few Barnum jams where you ever like, I'm going to go to a Clint Riedel show someday and he's going to invite me on stage and I'm going to play. Like, was that something? That, that, that was the stuff I hoped it didn't happen. <laughs> Why? I, I, I was like so scared of getting up on stage, you know, that time, like even for our shows at that, at that point in my life, you know, it was... I needed to psych myself up to just to get on stage to to open my mouth and sing. Usually after like first three songs, I'd get the swing of it, but you know, just just the thought of getting on stage scared the life out of me. Is it is it does it make you nervous to get on stage, or is it the whole fact where you're like, I don't know if um, 
if my music is the the right music for this, or is it like I don't know if I'm used to playing in front of this many people, or like what was the big kicker that was just so scary about playing in front of other people? I think the bulk of it is probably it's, it's a mix of those two things. It's like the people, and then I play a lot of very minor key sad stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time, if when people are going to bars, they don't want to be sad. Yeah, like. They want to be happy and all, you know, go lucky and such. But, you know, it tends it tends to work out in my favor because I have a very sultry singing voice. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the time I can get away with the smooth sort of singing because it's just nice to listen to in the background, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think having all that people there as well, you know, unsure if they're actually going to be into the into the music. Mm-hmm. is probably what really scared me the most. You know, having that many people there and them all just hating you, you know, <laughs> that... Oh, they're going to hate you. <laughs> well, oh, that's that's what that's when it's, that's in my head, you yeah. know, for getting up there, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's scary. Well, it's, it's crazy to think, though, like, uh, what you've mentioned is not like, I don't think my talent level or my chops are up to par, though. That's like, that's not something that's crossing your mind is your ability to perform. Well, I I spend enough time practicing at home. Jeremy uh, Jeremy Over might disagree, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, you know. oh, that's fun. Yeah, I I get what you're saying though about like is is what I'm playing gonna fit the mold for where I'm at and all those other things like that. However, uh, basically from like 1990 to about 1995, all of the popular music was exactly what you're describing. It was like sad. Uh, minor key stuff. We're talking, you know, your Nirvanas and your Alice in Chains, and you go down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of grunge and that alt rock that was in that era. Um, which, if you sit down and think about it, those people were probably 20 then, which would put them at about about 40 now. So those are the people that are at these places spending their money. So they are yeah. actually the people that would enjoy the music. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. So I, I mean, yeah, I guess I've sort of seen that at our shows because. Of course, I mean, we don't just go to every show and everyone hates us, you know, or just doesn't like the music. So, obviously, that that's holding true. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they grew up with it. So, even if they don't like it, it's still just like, you know, whatever. I'll just pick a random song. Like, Black Hole Sun. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I'll get down to this. I heard this song a million times when I was growing up. This is taking yeah. me back, you know. It's not like just someone that's... Uh, imagine somebody that's from, like, a younger age group that might not have, you know, ever heard of Soundgarden or something. They'd be like, the heck is this, you know? Yeah. But they might also think it's an original at that point. That's the hope. If, <laughs> I, I usually tell people at our shows, if you don't know the song or who wrote it, it's an original, and you'll respect me a lot more at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so. I always love joking around with that. Oh, man. I've been trying to get Jesse to do that. Like, yeah, has anybody ever heard of this guy? And if nobody cheers, it's like, all right, I wrote this song on the way here, actually. Uh, Pete's never played it before. You know, just, <laughs> exactly. just keep it rolling. Keep the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. They don't. Yeah, if they don't know any better, big deal. You know. But I also kind of like that when you play songs that people don't know, because it gives them an opportunity to kind of get into, um, you know, the music that they might not necessarily listen to, and you know, it it it's almost like uh, since you do write originals and you have played originals live, it kind of leans more towards that where you're like. Here's some stuff that everybody's heard on the radio. Here's some B-sides that only like super dedicated fans probably would have heard. And then here's some originals on the side as well. And you can kind of fold those in a little bit better with maybe lesser known, you know, B-side singles off of, you know, some of those 90s mm-hmm. albums. What are some of your favorite bands to cover, if I can ask that? Uh, 
I mean, my all-time favorite bands. It, it's that 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 is a difficult question, but uh, my all-time favorite band is Alice in Chains, and so. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you can you can sort of tell if you've ever seen us play at shows. Like, I I think we have over six Alice in Chains songs that are consistently on the set. Nice. For, at least if it's like a four-hour set or something like that, you know. But Alice in Chains, uh, Stone Sour, uh, Corey Taylor's a big inspiration for me, especially vocally, because mm-hmm. any any time I try to push my vocals, he, his songs are right at the cusp of my range, mm-hmm. and so constantly trying to push myself. So I always try to, you know, work his uh, his music, whether it be Stone Sour, Slipknot, the his solo stuff now, because he's doing solo stuff now mm-hmm. um let's see i do enjoy playing like a couple 80s stuff like skid row is another favorite of mine oh yeah uh, skid row I, i'm just now getting into steelheart i don't know a bunch of stuff i can't sing thankfully we got a we got a gal in the band now so nice and she has a really high range uh, veda scott I'm, I'm sure she'll be listening to this so she'll appreciate it uh but yeah it's I'd say my my all time favorite right now de- right now is definitely Stone Sour. But. Nice. For a second, I thought you were gonna say my all time favorite right now is Def Leppard. I was, <laughs> I was like, I was gonna be like, wait, what is? That's a weird gear change on that one. Oh man, I and this is totally me just talking out my butt. Have you heard the new Slipknot album? I have. I've been procrastinating. I want to hear it so bad, but I keep getting too caught up in doing other stuff. Now, this is just the opinions I've seen online from people who are very outspoken, because that's how the internet works. <laughs> Somebody with like five cents worth of opinion tries to make it look like a million dollar opinion. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they were basically like, it's not the Slipknot. If you think you're like, oh, I want to get some super heavy Slipknot in here. They were like, it, it, it's almost like it gear shifted back to their slower stuff. So, and I haven't heard it, so I don't know. But that's just like what somebody said. So call in if you've heard it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Leave a comment. Tell us you like Slipknot. 515-911. Love it. Oh, man. So you have been playing a lot more solo shows lately. I do recently remember you posted online that you were looking for uh, more bookings, Mm. which I thought that was a fun post to get out there. And then the more I looked through it, I was like... There's all sorts of people have shared this post, like from from people in country bands to people in rock bands to people who don't play music to people who just go to jam nights and watch. Like it's pretty wild. Yeah, it, it was really cool to see everyone just come together and start sharing that. Granted, I think last time I checked, it had eighteen shares, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, that that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you consider who is sharing it, yeah, especially in the local scene, like uh, not to name names. You know, or too many names. You know, like Jeremy Ober. I noticed he shared it. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that who have a big standing around here, who have you know a lot more connections than certainly I do. You know, it really helps out. You know, I've already gotten a few messages from certain bars that would be interested in booking. So cool. It's it's really helping out, and I'm really glad we got a great support group around here. Yeah, I mean it's, that's a tough part about naming names. It's tough to like name names because you're gonna end up leaving somebody out. But I remember like uh, mm-hmm. DJ Fisher was just like tagging places. He's like, you do good, you do good here, you do good here, you yeah. do good here. And I was like, that's pretty sweet that's like what we want you know and that's um it's it's tough to break into a scene especially if you don't have like the support of the scene you know it's like i'm trying to think of you know there's no way you can figure out like how do i get up to clear lake and play a show it's like well you have to somehow get their attention and what's the best way to get like you got to find a way and the way to get their attention could be play a show near them so it's on their radar or it could be find somebody that plays up there a lot that'll vouch for you and you know that's kind of what you know 
in a, in a sense, that's what your post has done is, mm-hmm. is had a whole bunch of people just be like, I vouch for this, but, you know, it'll, it'll be good. Trust me. Yeah. I mean, uh, back when we were playing with Scotty, granted that's you know, slowed down quite, quite a lot, but you know, Scotty, who would just walk into these places and you're like, Hey, you need a band. I play in a band. We got music. You want it? You know? You know, give give us our, you know, give them the price and like, yeah, you know, we'll get in, get you guys in here because he just had this really charismatic, outgoing personality. Mm-hmm. I don't have that, you know. <laughs> I, I am very much so an introverted person, but so getting all the help, you know, reaching out, having everyone else do the work for me, you know, <laughs> everyone else can be the charismatic guy, you know, but, you know, yeah, it's just... How charismatic is a Facebook share? <laughs> I just I'm gonna I'm gonna share it today. I'm just gonna be teeming with charisma. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's just a lot easier to sort of reach out to everyone who already has connections. That way, I can, you know, it's a lot easier doing it online because it's not in person, so I don't stumble my words. You know. Yeah, and it it saves you like the weird like we're gonna. I mean, this is used to be the way people had to do it. It's like, we're driving to Clear Lake and we're going to go to four bars today and we're going to go talk to people. And then if they, you know, and then after that, we're going to Mason City, which is not too far. And we're going to do the same thing. And, you know, they'll just take like an afternoon or an evening and they'll be like, we're going to take these, you know, nine places. We're going to go in and show them what we got. We're going to send them a couple links, drop off a CD, whatever it happens to be, however their promotion works. But like, that used to be how it was done. I couldn't, like, I wouldn't even want to do that nowadays. <laughs> I'd just be like, well, it looks like I'm playing Fort Dodge music for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> right. like, I mean, yeah, that's that's something that sort of scares me because it, it, it's weird just thinking about having to go into a, a place and sort of sell yourself to them. You know, I, I just I, I know it's most certainly worth it. I know my worth, you know, but still it feels weird trying to sell yourself to a bar, bar owner and trying to get them to pay you to come play for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of just hasn't. Wrapped, wrapped itself around my mind quite yet. It's weird that people used to have to do that. It's, I mean, like, it's one thing to be a door-to-door whatever, you know, salesman. Because then you can just, like, you sell them the product, you walk away, it's the end of the line. But, like, with this stuff, you pretty much just have to show them, like, it's the same thing. You show up, you're like, this is what I can do. And then they, but they have to bring you back and you have to perform again for them. So it's not like you're a door-to-door door salesman and you sold them a door and you walk away and that's the end of the line, you know, right, like, yeah. on to the next town. But, like... The thing I always felt like that was um, promoting yourself. I always tried to, the the cognitive dissonance in my brain was just like, I have to try my best not to seem like a snake oil salesman while I'm doing this, you know, because you want to talk yourself up, but you don't want to be like, you know, you don't want to be like, I'm better than Sebastian Bach and I can rock the guitar like, you know, Jeremy over or whatever, you know, and I've, you know, I get the crowd going like Scott Kirkhart. You can't just like go in there and tell them that stuff and be like, yeah, maybe, maybe not quite all of that's true, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. but so you got to find that balance and that's not super easy, but find the happy medium i think your post was perfect for that though where you're like these are the types of songs i like to play this is the types of genre i like to play i can play up to this long but i'd prefer to play this long you know and it's that's something where when you mentioned you're not as outgoing as as you possibly could be i do definitely feel that uh since i've met you you've become more outgoing though yeah uh definitely i i think playing these shows has just really opened me up because I remember, like, when we first started playing shows, I just would not talk to anyone. <laughs> I'd try and hide, like, most of the time, I'd actually just sit, like, on a chair on the stage and just never leave. <laughs> At break time, I'm still up here. <laughs> yeah, just, the o- only time I'd leave is to get a water, and oftentimes, I'd just ask, like, my dad, because he, he plays in the bands with me all the time, I'd just ask him to go get me a water so I could just stay on the stage. 
I mean, it is one thing because I do definitely feel that. Like, I am a social person to an extent. I like talking to people to an extent. I mean, I've got a podcast. I probably should enjoy talking to people a little bit. But, <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, but at the same time, like, I do also go to shows, and my defense for this all is the fact that, like, I don't drink anymore, so it's a little bit more difficult for me to interact with people who are drinking. Um, and it's not that I, it, I don't do it well and stuff like that, but I just feel like my conversation is lost on these people, but I still try, you have to tell yourself, like, you still have to entertain people when they're like, come up to you and like, if they tell you a good job, you can't just be like, cool. And then just walk away. You know, you have to yeah. like, at least kind of try and talk to them a little bit and stuff. And that's like the one thing I have to tell myself is like, cause I, I mean, I used to drink, so it's still one of those things where it's like, I, I know even though these people might not remember this conversation later, they'll remember it right now in the moment. And mm -hmm. that's the important time. And maybe if they don't remember the conversation, maybe tomorrow they'll be like, this guy snubbed me. I went up to tell him he did a good job. And he was just like, cool. And like walked away. Yeah. So, so like, they'll remember that part. Maybe they won't remember every single thing that happened, but they're still going to remember how you made them feel the day before. So I always have to tell myself, like, gotta be nice to these people. I gotta, gotta interact with them and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's not always easy just talking to some random person because you don't know who it's going to be. It could be it could be an eighty year old dude. It could be you know a twenty year old girl. It could be you know whatever whatever happens to be. Could could be some fifty year old guy who works for uh, Atlantic Records. Yep, Atlantic Records. You know, it, yeah. it could be some really important. You know, yeah, you never you never know. So always put on a good face. Exactly, exactly. You always got to dress up with your game game gear on. Oh man, how's oh, I'm gonna ask you about that. How do you feel about your stage presence uh, as far as the way you look? Is that something that like weighs on you heavily? Oh, is I that... am a rock god. No, <laughs> no, I'm just do you, do you go out and pick out these clothes like specifically just to go play on stage? Where like this fits my persona, I have to dress like this forever now, or like because my whole deal is like I like to a be comfy. Like that's first and foremost. Like mm. I've, I've gone on stage with Asics more than I'd like to admit, <laughs> and uh, I get a lot of crap for it. Um, I get crap for wearing shorts on stage. Um, yeah, so, uh, my go-to, like, I am much more style over substance, usually, when it comes to my outfits, uh, I very much, uh, I have a show in mind right now that I will dress like a man whore in the dead of winter. <laughs> I literally did it, uh, just this past, uh, New Year's Eve, you got the... What are you talking, cat suit, or what are we talking here? <laughs> uh, just, just a very thin vest shirt and very tight pants. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was like negative, negative 15. And everyone would go out to smoke. And I would just walk right out with them. Not, not a care in the world. Uh, but yeah, we, just this past New Year's, the, the show I'm talking about, we had the opportunity to uh, work with Section 7. Oh, nice. And so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun working with those guys. It's, they're killer musicians. And uh, I think they're playing with Tim nowadays, but yep, because it was around the time when they were switching guitarists and they weren't sure what direction they were going with. So, yeah, it was it was a great opportunity, and we've since had the opportunity to work with them. You know, opening up for them, uh, Frontier Days. You know. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool. Cause I that was, bet. I think that was the biggest stage I'd played on at that point because they. I'm not sure who had the stage, but it was some preset thing that the the museum brought and. Uh, it was a big crowd, you know, it was like 200 people, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite the experience and I'm glad they had the, the, the will to give me that opportunity, you know? Uh, it, those kind of things don't just happen by accident. Otherwise people would be asking me to open up for stuff, you know, and, and I don't do that. So it's mm -hmm. like, they're asking you on purpose. It's not like they asked 13 people and you were their last choice. They asked you, I don't know anyone else that got asked, you know, yeah. plus your music stylings fit what they're doing. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, um, not to be like weird about pigeonholing stuff, but uh, they play a lot of like hair metal, hair rock, uh, late 80s, early 90s rock. And you play a lot more of like the grunge stuff. And as much as like the 80s rockers are just like, I hate grunge because it killed metal. Uh, if you still look at it in a broad scope, there's a lot of metal influence that kind of spilled into grunge, either by accident or on purpose. If you, if you look at the guys from the 90s and the 80s, almost all of them have the same influences. They just took it in a way different direction. Yes, uh, 100%. Uh, I mean, so if you look at it in a generational thing, too, it's like there's a whole generation of people where it's like, I grew up listening to this stuff, and then by the time I got to high school, this was popular, so I went a different direction with it. So they, you know, turned into grunge people or whatever, you know, and, um, oh, God, I was watching, like, one of the funnest videos online. It was, was it, I think he was, like, the guitarist for Bangalore Choir, but he was talking about uh, Nirvana and, like, everything. He was just like, you know, this guy, you know, Kurt Cobain was not a talented guitarist, but he, what he would do is he would use, like, melodies and, and simple things, and he would apply them in different ways. And you could tell by, like, the video, every time he would say, like, Kurt Cobain wasn't talented, but everyone loved what he did because of the way he did it. And it was almost like in his brain, he was just like, man, I spent all this time practicing arpeggios and scales to shred and tap and do all this stuff. And this guy's over here just playing simple melody lines, crushing it, you know, yeah, and it doesn't, you don't have to sit there and do all the crazy stuff. But uh, having said that, you can do some of that crazy stuff too. <laughs> uh, occasionally. I, I am in, uh, working a bunch of like uh, very technical stuff because... I, I'm very much so not a technical player by heart, but I I am a very fast player. So do with that information what you will. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, I guess we're far enough into this, I could say, uh, earmuffs. But yeah, you can definitely baffle them with bullshit if need be, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like I can play like a, a specific lick, you know, I can run through the same three notes at like... like 230 BPM yeah and the crowd will explode yep and you know that that's a cool parlor trick but if you know someone who actually knows what they're doing sitting in the crowd they're just gonna deadpan stare at you like what the hell are you doing yeah <laughs> yeah so. I, I trust me I get that too it's <laughs> uh I feel like you and I might have like the same kind of thought process where it's like this you know handful of note lick got it down pat that handful of note lick got it down pat the the tough part is like on the fly at high BPM, blending them all together. Yeah, because because I'll I'll do that, and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. All right, next next lick. Here we go. All right, got it. You know, and sometimes there might be a little bit of a stutter in between or something, or it's like all all sixteenth notes, and it's like eighth note, eighth note, eighth note, eighth. Note. And back to the sixteenth, you know, because I can't do the transitions as fast or whatever. But yeah, I I have a little saying when it comes to my playing. I I have the stylings of Zach Wild with and beat button ready. The lack of fucks to give of Michelangelo Abadio. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just running through all these scales. Doesn't matter if it makes sense, but by God, it's going to be quick. Oh my gosh, Michelangelo Abadio is like one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite, in, like, quote unquote, instructors to listen to because it is, like you said, he's just like, you could, these are all the notes that are in it. Just play it really fast. It all works, you know, and that's pretty exactly. much what it is. He will give you the keys to the Lamborghini. That's, that's the line. That's. <laughs> That video is so funny because it's so cliche. Uh, it's called Speed Kills. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. Michelangelo Badio's Speed Kills. It is perfect, like, 80s instructional instrument video because it's just, like, it starts out with him shredding on, like, a 30-fret guitar. Exactly. 
And if you've never seen Michelangelo Badio play, he has this four neck monstrosity. And he, he he's like an ambidextrous player. He can play like over the fretboard. It's crazy. Yeah, left, right handed, under the fretboard, over the fretboard. Doesn't matter. But like the opening song in that is just like he just shreds a ton and then he's just like all right, like that's the first song, and it's like what well, I'm just supposed to like watch this like four minute masterpiece of like neoclassical craziness and be like, oh yeah, I can play that after watching it once. Like exactly. If, if you watch the whole video, he doesn't even slow it down and like show you how to play it. It's just like <laughs> it's like a shred fest. Just, just be good. Yeah. <laughs> the meme of I'm gonna give you the keys to the Lamborghini has been living in my head rent free since I was like your age, dude. It it is the funniest thing I've ever seen on the internet. Like I have a. I have a Windows 98 computer saved with, like, the intro to that just for the, like, I'll give you the keys of the Lamborghini. Like, that's I – don't, I don't have a computer anymore, but that's how long ago I've I've been, like, watching that video. And now it's living rent-free in my head. Oh, my God. It's a generational thing. I do love me some Michelangelo Badia, though. He came to Des Moines a couple years ago, and my friends went, and they were like I, – I can't remember. I didn't go for one reason or the other, but they said it was, like, less full than you would think it would have been, which is kind of, like, weird to think about. But, like, mm. you know, also, like, we're talking about Michelangelo Badio. Like, not everyone would know him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I, I sure do not have the the – education to speak on this topic but i don't think nitro was that big which is the well, band a, that we was in you're a hundred percent correct because it's just like well what's was he famous it's like well i mean he was in a band that was popular it was called nitro it's like never heard a nitro song in my life it's like oh okay yeah i mean i get it like if you didn't live through the 80s you probably don't know nitro you know yeah, i mean if you think about it like look at extreme nuno benacorn you know he's absolutely massive you know he's playing like a generation axe you know yep. everyone knows him look at extreme they have I think I was just listening to them yesterday. One of their biggest songs is over 600 million views. Yep. So I, th- I think that's... Oh, sorry. Someone off in the corner. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's... You can definitely tell... Like look, like I mentioned Zach Wilde, you know? Everyone who had like a big popular song, everyone remembers their name. But you can look like a... Oh, I, Marty Friedman might not be the best one to look at here, but... Nowadays, his solo stuff, he's not as big as he used to be, you know? And granted, Megadeth is big to a certain audience, you know? You you walk down the street and ask someone, hey, do you know Megadeth? Eh, What, what, you know, if there's a good chance they probably won't, you know, understand who you're talking about. Like, wait, did you just say Metallica? They they wrote like Ender Sandman, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that is a, 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 fun thing that us as guitarists like to pick out though too like you said uh extreme everyone's just like oh to be with you like that's that like ballad that everybody knows and loves right it's like yeah but Nuno Betancourt is so much more than just to be with you you know that's like saying um um Paul Gilbert Mr. Big but Mm -hmm. he's so much more than than just Mr. Big you know Um, I, I was just working on a Mr. Big song Road to Ruin favorite song for Mr. Big the 1991 Tokyo show uh, Paul Gilbert, he brings out the drill, the whole the whole shooting match. Yep. By golly, that man can play. Uh, he's he's tons of fun. I've looked at videos of him playing online, and he's done like weird stuff where like uh, one of the funniest videos I've seen online of him is is he's basically like a a two trick pony. Like he's he's the man at pentatonic, and he's like the man at neoclassical arpeggios. Like uh, mm-hmm. not quite. Malmsteen good, but he's right there with him. So it's like one of those things where like if you just take those two and combine them with like high rate of speed, 
you've got Paul Gilbert, which <laughs> which blows my mind when you sit down and try to learn his stuff. Where you're like, this isn't as ludicrously intricate as I thought it was going to be. It's just very fast paced. You know, yeah, it, it's, it's you just need to have the just two hands synced up to play that quickly. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the old adage of it's tricky, not hard comes into play. You know, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this though. Like now that you've gotten enough experience under your belt, do you remember when you first started playing guitars where you were just like, I'm just going to learn this song and you never thought about like how difficult it was or anything. And then for some reason you're just like, I learned, you know, uh, the whole intro to soothsayer just for like no reason. And you're like, I didn't think about how hard it was. I ne- that never crossed my mind, but do you ever find yourself like back then you're like, I learned all these like weird, intricate, difficult songs without any idea of what a difficult song was. And now I know how difficult songs are. Does that... Because, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden. Like, I'm just going to learn all the riffs, all the fun stuff. And now it's just like, you know, folk and punk and blues and all that kind of stuff. But I, I look at like a lot of Metallica and Megadeth and like Steve Vai songs and things like that. And I'm just like, these are difficult. I don't know if I want to take the time to learn these. When when I was younger, like that never crossed my mind. Is that a thing for you? I mean, well, this is going to sound kind of corny, but just, but just because of the way I'm going to say it. But I try not to shackle myself with the thought of difficulty because... The moment I start thinking something's difficult, it's going to get 10 times harder. That's true. And I am very capable in thinking, if I put my mind to something, I will get this done. Because, you know, granted, that's come with time, because a couple shows I played not that long ago had two-week notice, had to get a four-hour set in. <laughs> and and it's, it really shows you what you can do when you have to do something. When you have to, absolutely. But, oh my gosh, I don't envy that at all. <laughs> it was painful. It was not the best set of my life, I'll tell you that much. But it was fun. Yeah. You know? And I imagine it's a four-hour set that's not just, this song has two riffs, that's the end of the line. You know? like <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, I think it was like, uh, there was some Metallica in there, some some uh, Ozzy, uh, Def Leppard. I mean, like, Kick It was on the set list. So it was like, there wasn't all just difficult, like... Uh, uh, some virtuosic playing in there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a good mix. Yeah. Was that was that with Section Seven or who was that with? Uh, yeah, that was uh, the New Year's Eve show with Section Seven. We had a two week notice, and their their, uh, their guitar player couldn't make it, of course. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I don't think uh, Jake Rosso, who's the drummer, Lance Rosso, father son duo. Nice. Uh, I don't think me and Jake had even talked at that point. <laughs> my, my dad and Lance were good friends for a long time so they had that sort of connection mm-hmm. and they were good friends with scotty which of course we played in rockstar unplugged there for a while but mm-hmm. he, he just reached out saying hey brother you know we need a guitar player i know it's really late notice but would you be interested it was like oh my god this is jake rosso you know <laughs> I, I started had like a fanboy moment because i i knew who section seven was i didn't realize section seven knew who i was you yeah know? yeah <laughs> so it I was like, absolutely, I can do this. And then I was like, can I do this? You know, because he sent me all the stuff that they played, and not all of it's 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 tr- not all of it is difficult, but it's, it's tricky. You yeah, know? yeah, it's tricky. I totally get that too. Isn't it such a fun, but like also daunting feeling where somebody asks you to fill in for something that you. Like you've never like when Clint asked me to play lead with him. I've played leads with Clint at jam nights. It's not a foreign thing, but like when somebody's just like, "Hey, you want to come play a show with us?" It's like, sure. And then you're like, "Wait, I I don't know any of these songs. I've never played with any of these people before. We've never had a rehearsal. I've never even met them, you know, or something like that." And you're just like, "Uh, yeah. I mean, let's go for it." 
like what goes through your brain? Is it like, I hope I can do this or like they think I can do it. Therefore I probably can do it because I have faith in me or like now I have to, I have to come as true as possible on this and I can't just phone this in or like, what are your thoughts going through your brain? I guess like with my thought, it's just like, I'm a flattered, but B if they've got confidence in me, I, I probably have some confidence in myself to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely, what you said, I'm absolutely flattered. Anyone, anytime someone tries to get me to play stuff with them, you know, I love getting to branch out with different stuff, but I'm very lucky to have had all the shows that people sort of try and shove me into mm-hmm. just be in the similar genre. So it's all like hard rock stuff. You know, I haven't gotten tossed into like a blues band or, uh, <laughs> you know, dirty folky musician like Clint Riedel. Uh, yes. But you actually, you know, you have played at jam nights with him. You've actually like filled in on leads at shows with him and stuff yeah. like that for fun. So it's not a hundred percent foreign to you, but you know, you're, uh, you seem to key in on stuff that's pretty much from like 1980 to about 1995. Those are your, like your styles and your big areas that you focus in on mostly. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, I'd say that's probably mostly because that's just the music I listen to in my downtime. Like I've, I've spent granted, I have the, very privileged like white boy luxury of living at home with mom and dad still well, you know, so yeah, we, you know we we all have a little bit of that in, in us a little bit i think but uh <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i forgot there's a camera yeah to hey oh the, 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 the people on patreon yes uh, everyone was just listening to the podcast normally he's like well, what the hell's going what on are they here? talking about hey <laughs> hey just wait pause a second here what's that and and no one will know what just happened. Nope. So this is going to be great. Hello, Patreon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, what topic were we on? I, I, playing shows with people, uh, genres of music, things like that. Have you found that, like, what was the first genre that, like, when you picked up a guitar, you're like, I want to learn this song, and has it changed since then? Like, were you primarily grunge and then leaned rock, or were you primarily rock and then leaned grunge, or... Um, were you just like, I'm going to learn Mary Had a Little Lamb and we'll go from there? Or um, I don't think I've ever, I don't know how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> I, I don't know the notes. <laughs> but so I think that answers uh, that part of that question. Uh, no, I, when I started off, I had like, I feel like I probably, it's probably what everyone was at some point, but I just had no idea like what music, like I couldn't name you a band like when I first started off, you know. But I, I knew the music, and I'd been listening to it for a long time, because my dad's always been really big into the 80s rock. Yep. You know, he's been playing guitar my entire life. So I think just listening to that day in, day out sort of just set me on the path to do, you know, what I do now. Just gave me that attitude, that feel for this sort of music. But, you know, it, I think mix of practice and just, you know, an 18 years worth of listening to music sort of... <laughs> ingrains it into your brain you know that's very true that's very true i mean we do also have to give a hats off to dad for uh supporting you on this one it's uh it's not like parents don't support their kids but um when i first started playing guitar it's not like my parents were like you're never gonna make a million dollars doing this give it up but they were just kind of like you know maybe maybe go to college or something you know and it's like i get it yeah i get it i get it but uh Eventually, I did go to college, and I got a job, and I did stuff or whatever. You know, I did the things to appease them, but it wasn't until I, I could actually, like, support myself and then went out and played music and was taking consistent bookings and making money that they, like, were really, like, cool, you going out playing this weekend. That's awesome, you know? It wasn't until that that they were finally, like, cool. And it's not that they, like I said, it's not that they weren't supportive. My mom bought me my first ever guitar. As a matter of fact, my mom bought me my second ever guitar. Like, when oh. I finally wanted to upgrade, she was just like, I'll buy you another one, you know? 
since then, it's like, I, I've got this. But, you know, it's still one of those super nice things that, um, you know, your dad is out there. He supports you in every way, shape, or form. Uh, sometimes he drives you to shows. Sometimes he'll go to jam nights and watch you play. Sometimes he'll play along with you. But, I mean, like, I, one of my favorite things to do is to converse with him while you're playing about your progress. Uh, it seems like you've gotten so much more comfortable on stage, even from the last podcast episode we did, which was just a year ago. Um, when I saw you playing at bootleggers, uh, I was just kind of like, God dang, that seems like a natural up there when beforehand it was like, you could tell you were trying to be a natural up there. And now it's just, it's fake it till you make it. Well, it's, it's not just the whole fact of like, you seem comfortable up there. The notes come out more comfortably. It's not like you're second guessing yourself trying to hit higher notes or like rambling with the crowd seems to come a little bit easier to you now. Um, do you think that is because of just the exposure of being on stage or, or uh, you're practicing two or three times as much now as you used to be, or is there something that's, that's causing that? Or is it just um, the exposure and, and going out there and, and doing it? Well, um, I think there's a bit going on that back in the, those older days that, you know, might be a little dark for this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there was definitely a lot of, uh, mental stuff going on that sort of held me back. But nowadays I'm doing a lot better mm -hmm. and it's sort of given me this freedom. Definitely playing more shows got me out there, but drinking caffeine a lot more. So that's probably doing it. <laughs> got a coffee sitting right next to me, yeah. but couch town. No, <laughs> I'm drinking couch town. I got you covered, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't need to lie now. Um, it's delicious couch town. <laughs> love couch town. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's definitely getting out there playing, playing, uh, these shows has definitely helped a lot. Uh, Veda, who I mentioned earlier, singing with her has just pushed me so much further because, well, she's class a classically trained vocalist. I'm very much not. Mm -hmm. I, I taught myself all the ropes when it comes to singing. Thankfully, I had a guitar teacher who I could lean on and sometimes prod questions because Jeremy Ober is a heck of a vocalist. But I think just being around all these great musicians is probably what pushed me the most and sort of got me going. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it there too, having Veda around, having a buddy of some sort, any, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it could be your dad or it could be mm -hmm. your best friend or just some random dude at a jam night that you hang out with or, or a vocalist that sings along with you, uh, a bassist, if you're a guitarist or a drummer, if you're a bassist, it, it doesn't matter, but just having somebody else there to bounce ideas off of and to kind of hone your craft in with them. It, I feel like that helps a lot because that was pretty much what kind of catapulted me to the next level. It's, mm. You can only do so much by yourself. You can only do so much with like a loop pedal or so much with uh, a jam tracks online or things like that. Or you can only play along to the Black Hole Sun music video so many times. And I'm just throwing that song out there because I, I mentioned it earlier and I don't want to have to dig through my brain for more grunge songs. <laughs> so I'm just going to say Black Hole Sun for every grunge. Black Pearl Jam. Here, I'll toss you one. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really fun to have those people around, and I feel like that is definitely what catapults you. Do you feel like uh, having your dad around and having him play, do you feel like that also kind of helped accelerate you from the get-go because you had somebody that was just like, this is a guitar, as opposed to being like, Mom, will you buy me a guitar? And that's like, how do I tune this? And they're just like, I don't know. Like, figure it out yourself, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a generational guitarist. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast uh, my grandfather was a classical guitar teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he taught my dad when he was young. And, you know, now my dad, you know, teaching me when I finally had the gumption to get up and do it. So 
Absolutely. Uh, like first six months, uh, I was self-taught or self-taught quote unquote, cause I had my dad there and he pretty much taught me everything I knew up till that point, And a lot of which I still use today, a lot of my imp- improvisation skills come from just playing with my dad on the back porch, mm-hmm. just noodling around. It didn't need to sound perfect because, you know, it's my dad. He's not going to bully me. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, he might. It's my dad. But, I hope. You know. I friggin' hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, uh, he, he pushes me a lot. And even now, uh, I think he's taken lessons with Jeremy over too now. And, nice. And he, he's come a long way too, you know? So he's getting even better and better. So it's also pushing me. It's like, I'm going to be better than you. So, you know, it's a little competition. You know? I need, I, that's been something that I need to do is to take guitar lessons. It sounds stupid to some people because they're like, you're good at guitar. It's like, yeah, but you can always get better. Uh, and even if I'm taking guitar lessons from Ober, Ober can do things I can't do. And there's probably a way he can teach me how to do those things. You know, and that's, yeah. that's what I want, I guess. And I'm just like nervous and I feel weird like asking people for guitar lessons. So maybe that'll be the confidence I need to... Yeah, everybody needs guitar lessons. I kind of want to go take some more. So, yeah. I mean, if anyone says, you know, or mentions like, well, you're already a pretty good guitar player. You play in bands. Look at Randy Rhodes, you know. It's true. He's de- I- he's dead. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's he's, pretty he's, wild. He's dead. He's dead. Uh, that, that's, that was the point. No. That uh, was the point. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, he, he, he would take lessons everywhere he would go, you know, for every show from all sorts of different guitars. Like, imagine just being some... Uh, random guitar teacher from you know bum hell nowhere you know yeah and just have randy Rhodes walk in is like what are you doing here what can i teach you and then some somehow by some miracle you you help him progress even further and then you hear that on the next album you know so you I, can always get better i remember hearing those stories where he'd just like go into places and sometimes it's just like well the only person here that can teach stuff is like classical stuff and he just bust out the acoustic and go learn some classical stuff with them you know and that's pretty wild to think that he wasn't somebody that just pigeonholed stuff like no nah, somebody needs to show me how to play more like shreddy stuff because that's what i play with ozzy and that's what i'm getting paid for he just he went and learned the stuff he wanted to learn and uh didn't really hold much quarter for like being picky and choosy you know and yeah i i definitely agree on that like if you have somebody around that that plays like almost anything i feel like if you and i played around long enough it'd just be like how'd you do that thing i'd show me how'd you do that thing there you know like everyone's you're always gonna have that with somebody regardless um mm-hmm. i mean how many times have you played solos with somebody and you're just like oh that, that was cool i like that thing you did you know i'm really big for that on stage when i hear something that's cool even from the stage i'm just like oh sweet especially playing with owen he'll just do some <laughs> weird run is like where the hell did you pull that oh from man gosh. owen's such a goof um mr I, owen o'brien i love having him at jam nights and things like that i i was lucky enough to play with him for about a year with jesse wilson and uh playing solos and stuff and trading off solos and things like that and if we would get to shows that were comfy enough like uh he plays like mostly by ear so like most of what he would do is like if i play a riff sometimes he would just like play a quarter note behind me or you know a half rest behind me and just he'd be playing all the stuff i'm playing just trailing it so it's Mm. like i had a delay pedal on and bass form and it's like what the heck is going on here yeah it's really crazy uh dude's super talented i think he's playing with tank anthony now i mean he's in college he's doing all sorts of things he's he's really on the up Mm -hmm. so didn't you get to play with owen uh with brady o'brien uh, that we did uh, past a Brady O'Brien live show. Yeah, we need to talk about that because I I didn't get to go to that and uh, I saw some videos and it looked amazing. So let's go over like what was the basis for this last show because he tries to like put him around something you know Fourth of July or something or 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a military benefit. All proceeds went to the to a military nice. donation. It was really cool. Uh, sold sold out. You know, tickets tickets uh, going to a great cause. But I, I think Owen would be the best one to talk to because I I came to you a little late. They had a couple practices before I came in, but they it was two weeks before the show. Another two weeker where I had to get a full set in. <laughs> it blows my mind. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, they finally had this realization. They had uh, a rhythm guitar player. They had Owen, uh, Isaac. I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry, Isaac. Uh, he was a drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And so they finally had this real- realization, hey, we should probably get a lead player. And, of, co- of course, Owen, being the best friend I could ever ask for, made the mention of me to Brady. And Brady's like, heck, yeah, I think I know that guy. So let's you know call him up and see if he's you know, ready for it. And mm-hmm course at that time i had nothing going i was like you want me to do what <laughs> yeah do, do what i do what now <laughs> uh but of course I, I was immediately right into it because it was a bunch of 80s rock a little bit of country you know but it's a good country like from from the 80s 90s yep uh i'm sure someone's gonna give er, me crap for that. early 90s country not the later 90s <laughs> early 90s <Yes>. country. <laughs> third rock from the sun stuff yeah go watch the music videos from the late 90s country and tell me that's good music the music videos alone should be good enough to be like what the heck is this <laughs> precisely but <laughs> why are you putting cgi in a country music video <laughs> you do not need to I'm go just, with this hard in production i'm just kidding if you guys want to send all your hate mail send it to eric.lee no. at gmail.com <laughs> no <laughs> but yeah that, that was a great show um uh gotten getting to work with a bunch of young kids because i think the oldest person in that show was was like 20 yeah like 20 2022 something like well uh Alyssa Albee, who was a singer yep. she, she's she's a little bit older but other than that it was literally just all young kids yeah Alyssa's like 25 or six you know i don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah I don't, I'm maybe, assuming. She's, maybe she's younger than that i don't know maybe she's younger than us we, we never know yes I mean, she looks amazing that's the point we're trying to make here <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a great show. Uh, it was so for those that haven't seen a Brady show, let's like go over. It's not just like Brady O'Brien's this guy that sets up shows and gives money away. You know, it's not just like that. It's good guy Brady O'Brien. Yeah, uh, lights, sound. Yeah, he he's he has this amazing production. I believe a while back Brady was a light guy. Yeah. So he has this big you know, collection of just amazing equipment. And he really brought it for that show, from from what I saw. I mean, I know Brady's held a few different shows in the past for, like, a Christmas thing. and But for actually being there, especially being on stage, getting yeah. to work around this kind of production, it, it was certainly, as I, I keep saying production, but it was the biggest production I, I've ever actually had the opportunity to work with. And it, it was a blast. Uh, sound equipment had Mark Gales running sound. Love it was. It. It was almost at like this amp, almost like an amphitheater sort of thing. So you just had levels and levels of just chairs and people just lining, almost like a wall, mm-hmm. just standing uh, at the very low part of the stage. He had a uh, little risers. Of course, I had to sit next to the drum riser, so God, that was loud. But yep. and it was a lot of fun. It was just this huge production, and it was another one of those shows where I got to dress like a man whore. Uh, had deep this, v-neck oh no this know. this this time it was it was a big leather heavy leather jacket that you know was sort of like a vest had just the top uh buckle done so i was shirtless underneath had the abs hanging out when i had abs but <laughs> i'm unbulking up i promise it's it's just the cookies but <laughs> but yeah it was a great production great production um let's see i mean that's 
that's just so wild. I just remember seeing videos of that and just being like, what? Like, like what? Like, this is all just a bunch of 20-year-olds. What? Like, it just blew my freaking mind. I can't believe the talent level on stage and, like, the way the production worked. And, I mean, granted, he had help behind stage. Like, I know your dad was helping set up some of the things and, and yeah. things like that. There were, I'm sure there was plenty of other people. Actually, your dad did it all. He did all the heavy lifting. Yeah, it was Good all job. Uh, Good job. Um, sitting on the couch. <laughs> sitting on the couch watching the pod. But, yeah, I, dude, I was just so mind blown by that. And it, it was so fun to see that uh, the younger people got an opportunity to go out there and show them what they could do. And it's like, this is at least as good as anything that anyone else of any other age is doing right now. Exactly. That's probably the thing that just made me smile the most was the fact that you guys just went out there and just absolutely crush it. And I say guys, uh, everybody involved, not just guys, but yeah. Yeah, I, I would uh, be naming names, just listing everyone, but I, I would feel bad if I left someone out. So Yeah, forgetting people's last names. Uh, I'm giving you crap, but I forgot it too. So um. <laughs> Yeah, just check out Brady O'Brien Live. You'll be able to see all the videos and such. The pictures I uh, had... Jason Braunschweig there, taking a bunch of amazing oh, photos. Dude's sick. He's so good. Yeah, we had him for uh, my birthday gig last year. It's where we got all our promotional photos for uh, Suddenly Hollow there. Nice. And, uh, it was, he's just great to work with. Great photographer. But, you know. Well, we did talk solo shows. We talked a little bit about Section 7. We talked about the show with Brady O'Brien. Suddenly Hollow. We haven't even really mentioned him oh, yet. Yeah. Uh, Suddenly Hollow was your band. And it, it's a band that uh, formed, and then now you guys are reforming with different people, or what's what's going on? It's crazy. Uh, it's it's wild. <laughs> it's it's hard to explain too. Uh, originally, we started off with Scotty. We were assuming that we were just going to put a band together instead of holding on to Rockstar Unplugged while we were still playing together. But since then, we sort of moved on. It's like, okay, we kind of want to make this thing separate with me and my dad unsure of what direction we really wanted to go with but so we just sort of split off scotty rockstar unplugged suddenly hollow but then as we went on and went on we sort of started to develop our sound a bit more understand like what music i liked because i pretty much immediately like when i started playing we jumped into suddenly hollow and that was a thing like scotty rockstar unplugged i had really no time to develop what i really wanted to do Mm -hmm. and so as we went on, you know, through the months and months, almost a year, uh, I had the opportunity. Uh, I, I can't remember who introduced her, but we had Veda Scott come to one of our annual parties mm-hmm. that we hold. And it's just a big jam, sort of like jam night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barnum Jam, if you've ever been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got up saying, uh, I, I think it was Phantom at the Opera, saying oh, the entire thing a cappella. Oh, dang. Because we, we didn't have anything for like a karaoke setting. But I was like, okay, this girl can sing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, hey, you want to join a band? <laughs> it's like, and she was all right for it. Like that, that's what surprised me, you know, young, you know, beautiful gal, yep. anything she could go and do. And she was like, yeah, I'll join your, your weird cover bands, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like sick. It's now sick. what, now what do I do? <laughs> So, so then it sort of started to push me and sort of develop that sound even more. And uh, eventually, after a while, uh, Skyder Rockstar went off, and I think he's doing Neil, Nielsen Rock, which is sort of like Rockstar Unplugged. I think, I can't remember his name, but it's the last name of Nielsen. He, he used to play in a band with Scotty before. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, now they're doing their thing, and we got the opportunity to work with Section 7. So that started to 
progress us even more. I'm trying to think. Hmm. Say like so like you you I think it's like the funnest thing about it though is like you've learned at a young age that like the the music scene is kind of fluid. You can have ideas they might or might not come to fruition. And even if they don't, it doesn't mean you have to abandon them. You can always just back burner it. You meet somebody yeah. else, you bring them in, wham, we can bring this idea back to life and finish it or or try and create something new with this and, and revitalize ideas and things like that. Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I saw all these like old, really big bands where they just had like the same members for like 30 years. It was like, but what you didn't know is that they had 17 different members, you know, before they got popular, yes. you know? Yep. And I was just really scared to change and sort of push people away because I felt people would think less of me for doing so. But that is further, the furthest thing from the truth, especially if, like, good people, which everyone around here really is, everyone mm -hmm. in the music scene, really kindest people you'll ever meet. So it... I think that was something that sort of really scared me, you know, it's, 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 it's strange to think that I, it's just strange to think now, just look, sorry, I'm just reminiscing now, sitting in this chair, that I was so afraid to sort of push myself even further with different people, mm -hmm. but I mean, now, uh, Kyler Swanson, I, I'm just going to random name drop someone here, Kyler Swanson, we're thinking about getting him into the band so nice a new, a new guitar player he showed up at jam night one night fresh blood oh yeah 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 that was a kid that picked up my guitar and randomly started playing and i was just like who's this kid playing my guitar <laughs> it's my clone don't worry about it <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah he, he's a really great kid uh i can't say kid he's like a couple months older than i am but uh, <laughs> yeah did good kid there you <laughs> did good kid uh, but it's cool you know he, he hasn't had much stage experience and so no, it's it's nice getting him to work with him because we are very much on the same playing field when it comes to guitar, and nice. that's that's really cool to find someone because he's a much more technical player than I am. Duke can sweep pick like a maniac. Mm -hmm. I most definitely cannot, but I I have that sort of I mentioned Zach Wild earlier. I have that sort of Zach Wildish pentatonic like speed thing going on for me, which is something he apparently just baffles him which is <laughs> which is really cool because it allows us you know we both have our different strengths so we can push each other even further yep and then uh i mean i mentioned section seven before but there's stuff in the works you know i, I hear they got stuff going on maybe i'll try and steal jake rosso eventually Aha, if, oh, he's, oh. if he's free ah that's see, that's another fun thing though too is there's nobody around this area that's just like you know, it's not like I play drums in this band and so-and-so asked me to play with their band and I'm going to go play with them for a while. And nobody's just like, yeah, you piece of crap. You can't play drums in two bands. You got to be dedicated to our band. And like nobody does that stuff. And I think that's one of my favorite things. But to the tune of what you said, it is very difficult sometimes to be like, I want to go a different route with this. I apologize. We're going to go a different route. You know, like it's tough to just tell someone like, I'm sorry, but I'll bring this person in or something like that. Or it's like, it's been difficult to get shows booked with this person because they don't have the free time. We just need someone with more free time. And that's the unfortunate truth of sometimes like that's the way it works. And yeah, that, that's just the shame. Cause I try to treat everyone like who works with me as a friend mm -hmm. in considering the music as a business. That's not something you probably should do, but, and it makes things a lot more difficult, but no one really cares, you know? It's yeah. Because the people who do treat it as a business, it's just a business pr proposition. Mm -hmm. Sometimes businesses, they split ways, you know? They can't work with everyone forever. That's true. I mean, it's 
It's again, it's very wonderful that we have like such a understanding community around here. I think everyone at least once in their life has kind of gone through something kind of like that where it's like, yeah, I was in this band. They wanted to go a different direction. I, I went somewhere else. And you find out that like, as long as you stick with it, it'll always work out. You know, if, if tomorrow Jesse was like, I don't want you to play leads with me ever again. It's just like, that's, that's cool. I'll figure something else out. You know, come join I, my band. I would, I would be sad. And then, uh, it would, it, we would just do something else, you know, and that's just yeah. the way it works. And, um, no hard feelings for anyone ever, anytime, you know, um, it's, but like you said, it's very difficult because you consider everyone your friends. We all hang out enough we all spend enough time together that it's even if we don't like call each other on the weekends and like you and I aren't calling each other on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. and just be like, hey, but we're buddies, you know, like we yeah. hang out and stuff at jam nights and things like that. I secretly hate your guts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You hear that, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to oh, be a man. long ride home. <laughs> but it is cool to see how like even not just like playing wise, not just stage performance wise, but like the ins and outs of what's going on behind the scenes, just like kind of hearing how you've matured through all that and things, um, you know, changing band members or like moonlighting with other bands and realizing it may or may not be a permanent gig. You're just, you're just there for a one fill in one off thing. It's just, it's just such a fun time. Uh, it's off camera, too bad Patreon people, but there's a cat down here just loving life. Oh man. So we, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. So, like I said, last episode was about a year ago. You've progressed quite a bit since then. You've played shows with Section 7, Brady O'Brien, solo shows, duo shows with your dad. Uh, you're actually writing originals, too. You you have one that you play a decent amount live, and at a jam night not too long ago, you busted out a new one. Mm. And, it's, and it's fun, because like I said, I'll, I'll hem-haw with your dad while you're playing quite a bit, and he's just like, oh, he's going to play a new song. And I'm just like, oh, shit, he's going to play a new song. You know, So I always get like a little bit of the inside. Uh, I get to see what's going on, so... Mm. Um, what's it like writing new material? Do you have like a whole docket of stuff that you're just like scared to bust out yet or it's not finished or are you, do you have plans of making like a seven song EP or like what's the, what's the end game with writing your own music? Currently there is no end game. Uh, I, I know what direction I want to go with. I just need the time to do it, but I do have a lot of mute backlog music, especially like from the last podcast. I, I mentioned that I wanted to wait until it was ready. Well, I waited long enough uh, there for like a, you know, I, I got it to where I sort of liked it. After like a couple months, I, I just ignored it, didn't do anything with it. Then uh, just recently I went back, to, back into that folder that I had all my music sort of layered. It was like over a terabyte of music. <laughs> it was awful. It was, it was all like MP4 stuff, stuff I just recorded on my phone, layered and layered and layered with different phone recordings. So it was mm-hmm. super compressed, sounded awful, <laughs> but you got the idea. Yep. It's a scratch track. You can re-record it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I sort of looked into all this stuff like, God, this is awful. So now I'm just restarting. <laughs> so, restarting it all? Oh, uh, no. Well, not completely. I, I, I had some gems in there. I was like, okay, yeah, I can do stuff with this. But as you mentioned earlier, I just wrote a song that I'm working with people who cannot be named at the moment because I don't think they would appreciate it. But it's... He it's doesn't getting, name names, ladies and gentlemen. Except when I named Jeremy Ober and Alex Trevino and, <laughs> and Peter Stockdale. I'm just... Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's... So, you were talking about, wrote a bunch of stuff. Uh, they're basically just ideas that are shells of songs and things like that that you've recorded. And then you come back to it a few months later. Was it disheartening to come back to stuff that you thought like months earlier was like, ah, this is pretty good. And then you come back and you're like, I don't know if I like this as much anymore. Uh, was it disheartening to be like, 
why don't I like this as much anymore? Or, or were you thinking to yourself, like, I'll just uh, take all this back apart and I still have all the ingredients and we'll just put them back in this folder here and we'll come back to it later and maybe a couple pieces of this will fit something else I want to do. Like, uh, a, oh, Sorry, excuse me. A little bit, yeah. A uh, little bit, no. Uh, okay. It's mostly because if I look back on something, like I constantly, like I, have, I have videos still from the first night I ever played live and I say, like, yeah, that's terrible. You know, I can look at that as, like, you've come a long way. But that's the thing. I can look at it and say, hey, you've come so, so much, so much further than where you were sitting, you know, December of, like, 15th, 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's... Sorry, I lost train of thought again. Gosh, that's happening now. <laughs> as far as, like, uh, was it disheartening to have stuff that you had recorded and you come back to it and you're like, this might not be up to par with my current skill level? Uh... Mm, as I said, no. Uh, having the chance to sort of look back on that stuff and it not being that great, I, I think as they just sort of said, and you can tell you've grown, that means you can do something so much better. So you can tear it apart, go from ground zero again, and build something people will really love. Mm-hmm. And sort of that's what I... But on the, other, on the flip side of that coin, before I start trailing off again, <laughs> uh, it can take... A lot of my heart away because the way I write music, I am purely m- motivational. I need to like have something come to me. I need to sit down, pick up my guitar, and just go for hours on end, finish it there. Otherwise, it'll never get done. Mm-hmm. And so, having all that done, you know, all those out of the blue sparks of inspiration, just go, you know, and suddenly it's all really not that great. It can take a little bit out of me, but, you know, at the end of the day, if I just keep growing and keep tearing them apart, you know, eventually there'll be a masterpiece in there. That's so, true. That's true. That's that's why I'm happy where I'm sitting right now. Uh, I'm really happy with that song I just, just wrote, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll probably be finished here really soon. Nice. I, I think... I think I may go about recording it and maybe just tossing out a single for kicks. That'd be fun. Hopefully it doesn't like blow up because I don't have enough music to cover. Like <laughs> if I suddenly become famous, you know, <laughs> Atlantic Records, if you're listening. Yeah, you know. hit them up. Like, all right, we need a 14 song demo. Uh, we're going to take 10 songs. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, wait a second. Give me like five years. I don't know. <laughs> Precisely. I don't because I, I couldn't write music. Writing music's difficult. Like, let's just be honest. Like, it's not easy to write music. The, the super no. basic formula for it. Yeah, kind of easy. But like to write something that you're proud of is not super easy. You know, I feel like some of us as musicians hold ourselves to higher standards, possibly maybe too high for our, our talent level sometimes. But at the same time, it's it's just one of those things. While you were talking, I was thinking about this, not to just now I'm trailing off and changing gears. So <laughs> it's a disease. It is. So you were talking about how uh, eventually like you, you play stuff and then you come back to it a couple months later and you're like, I've grown since then. I might just put this on the back burner and do something else with pieces of this and change it and then go to the next level with it. I was, it just made me think about like most bands. Like if you think about like Rush's first album versus any of their other albums or like Iron Maiden's first album versus any of their other albums, Motley Crue's first album versus any of their other albums, uh, Metallica, same way. I mean, there's just a whole pile of bands you can sit down and point at their first album and be like, they had to start somewhere. They yeah. had to, they had to put their foot down somewhere to be like, this is the beginning. Because what I imagine is they wrote these songs and they were like, yeah, these are good, but 
you know, I, I feel like we could do a lot better or whatever. And, and, you know, but they still had to put out an album to be like, this is the beginning of where we're at. This is the start. You know, do you ever feel like that with, with some of your music? Like, I should just put this out just to be like, this is the starting block. This was a starting point. Everything from here is going to get built to the next level. You know, like, do you ever think about that? Or maybe that'll be what your first single is where you're like, this is the starting block. You know, I, I think that's where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, actually. Um, just need to settle down. I, I understand now that I can't wait forever. Like you were saying in the original podcast, just sometimes you, you wait too long, then you croak. You'll, you'll be like you'll be like me. You'll be 35 and you have nothing out there and you just got a bunch of garbage stuff over here. Like this is an E minor fast track that I wrote. There's some old E minor loop stuff. It's like you're just going to be like me and you'll never have anything out there. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, you're on the right track, man. Like, I appreciate it. But yeah, I, I think... As time goes on, granted, I I keep getting told I have my entire life ahead of me, which is very much true, but I can already tell I have a lot of people in my life that I want to leave something great, sure, for when the time I go, and I want them to look and be proud to say, you know, they knew me, or, you know, I have their blood in my veins, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You want to make your your friends and family proud of you for what you've done, plus it doesn't hurt to you know, make this a permanent fixture in the world in some capacity, you know, like you can, you can write 50 songs and play them all live and be the man. But like, if you never record a single one of them and nobody ever videotapes them, then there might be a situation where nobody else ever gets to enjoy them ever again. And that's kind of saddens me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll just, I don't want to change the topic, but let's think about like Clint Riedel. The guy's probably written a hundred songs. He's got like yeah. 12 recorded. Like it's, yeah, that's, just, that's crazy. it's just like, come on, that's so sad. You just need to have more. And I feel like secretly you might be doing some of the same stuff. You know, like I've written yeah. songs and, you know, maybe you're choosing to never record them. That's your choice, you know, with some of them. Cause you're like, I can do better than this, but still, you know, it's one of those things I can't wait to have, you know, some Eric Lee stuff out there uh, or whether or not you're going to put under the suddenly hollow banner or whatever. I can't wait to hear some of it. You know, like I, it makes me ha- so happy to see people putting out music. Yeah. I, I don't know why. It just does. It, it, I, I, can, I can tell the same. Like, uh, I heard Clint Riedel on the other day, like, when you were saying he only has oh, so many recorded. like, yeah, he finally got some of them recorded. Yeah, know? exactly. It's it's really cool. And also, you get to see, like, Jesse Wilson. He's constantly in the studio with different, you know, new, amazing stuff. It sort of makes me smile because, you know, one day, people around here, they're 100% worth their salt, and someone's going to see that. So Yeah. I think the more, you know, people work at it and... The more people push out, I think, the better chance we have at getting someone who has the standing to do something about it to shine to shine their light on our music scene, and I think it'll just explode. So I think, I that'd think be great. I think you're right. I think it's slowly starting to happen. Um, uh, case in point, uh, Chris Carr and Jeremy Ober both getting recognized at the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, um, those two have been crushing it up in this area for twenty plus years. <laughs> So about damn time. It's about time. Yeah. Uh, and that was the thing was like a couple years ago, I remember on the podcast making the joke where like, it's a lot of that stuff to get inducted is based on a nomination. So like if you go on their website, Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, there's like a nomination thing where you can just type somebody's name in a whole bunch of information about them. They played in these bands. They started at this time. They've been playing this long. So you kind of have to like talk to the person to, to get their information, to throw it on there, to nominate them. But I was just like, 
what if like 40 people from around the area just were just like Chris Carr? Like, you know, it's it's like all of a sudden he's in. It's like they can't ignore like 40 people nominating this guy or whatever. I think you're on to something. I think we need to just get a list, start writing people down that we know. It's like, okay, for for this week, we're going to just everyone vote for uh, Clint Riedel. We're we're doing this now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are like different things. Like I think one of them is you have to have been involved in the music scene for 20 20 years, 20 years. So like... Clint would be out technically. He's he's got like seven or whatever, and I mean I would be out because I've got five, six, seven. So like I can't do it or whatever. But it's crazy to also think like Ober's two years older than me and has twenty years in the music scene. Like what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. Because uh, I'm not forty, you know. So that's it's just mind blowing to think about that uh, as a thing. And you're gonna be in his shoes eventually. You're oh, gonna be in your mid thirties and people are gonna know who you are. It's gonna be wild, dude. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. And that's. That's the other thing is I feel like our, our area around here is full of people that are willing to support each other, whether it comes down to like, you know, Chris Carr had a music shop in the area, you know, and, and Ober gave guitar lessons in the area. And like everybody around here, like there's different sound guys and there's different lighting people and there's different promotional people or people you can contact like, I want to have a show like this. And they're like, well, I can set up, you know, the street dance for you. I can bring the stage in. I can bring in the vendors and stuff. There's people like that are willing to do that kind of stuff around this area. Not that there's not in other areas, but it, uh, ours is better. Ours is better. <laughs> you know why it's better? Because we got Eric Lee in our music scene, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's it's so wild to see how far you've come. Like I said, I talk to your dad a lot, and it's it always blows me away how comfortable you seem on stage now compared to where you were at. The notes just come out with uh, an exuberance of confidence, not to use big words, but like it's you seem very comfortable singing the notes you're singing now, and... Um, oh, singing is so foreign to me. I can't, I'm not good at it. So like, it's just mind blowing to be like, I've got to watch you f- through the course of, uh, two and a half years. Like you said, you're not classically trained singer, but I got to watch you progress to the point where it's like, uh, yeah, this kid can sing. This kid can sing good. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of mind blowing to think about that. You know, have you taken it? You have you taken any vocal lessons? I know you said you took guitar lessons. How about uh, vocal? I have not like, I, I was planning on doing like cho- chorus or stuff, you know, in high school, but uh, I was homeschooled from like the fifth grade up. Yeah. I I tried going back to public school. I lasted like two days, and that's not an understatement. Um, I I just couldn't handle the people. I don't it, blame you. It's uh pretty crazy, but I mean, but one I I did apply for chorus back then, and they thought it was kind kind of cool. So I I, I sort of got some motivation there just to keep going because they, they if they thought I had some talent there then. You know, say someone who actually knows what the heck they're doing, you know, says, hey, good job. Keep doing this. You know, yeah. that's going to that's gonna push you a bit. Yeah. I had the opposite uh, interaction. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I had a teacher tell me I was not good at singing and I should not continue to sing, <laughs> which, that... which is it's crazy to think like a teacher told you that like this should be encouraging you. But at the same time, yeah. like uh, they were very true. I'm, I'm fairly tone deaf singing wise and it sucks. But like. I don't know. It, I, it I hear happens. I hear your harmonies and you, you sound great. So <laughs> I can sing along with somebody else. Uh, if it, if I have to be the only one out there singing, I feel like I'm on such an island that I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll just pee my pants or something. I don't know. Like I, I just get so scared. I'm like, ah, everybody's <laughs> looking at me. I don't know. Well, uh, if I can say something to either you or to anyone who's listening on the podcast who who just hasn't taken that dive yet, I, you can use me as a reference. You can start from ground zero. You can sound, you know, like a dying seal, and you can still make something of yourself. Because I'll be honest, when I first started playing gigs, 
I shouldn't have been playing gigs. That's I, how I, I felt when I first started solo stuff. I, I listened back to those vocals. It's like, why did we ever think I had a voice? You know, you could think that you don't have what it takes or you just don't have the vocal range. Uh, take me. I am a low tenor. I, 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 I like to say, I, I, I don't have the lo- I don't have the lows of a of a bass, but I still don't have the highs of a tenor. Mm-hmm. So I'm just useless, you know. <laughs> it's like I I don't know where I sit, and yet you still you see me, you know. I, you know, well that, that used to be back then, but you can progress your voice so much further because now I'm singing, like just uh, at Clint Riedel's show last what was it Saturday? Yes, it was Saturday. Yeah. I started singing a song. Friday? Friday? Friday. Yes. Yesterday. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I started singing a song that I tried to play when I very first started. I couldn't get halfway to the note I was singing there at the end. And now I can sit down, I can belt it out with ease, and it's very easy to psych yourself out and say, I can't. You know, I can't reach that. You know, this is just the way it is. This is the way my vocal is. It's never going to change. That is so untrue. And I want anyone who thinks they have the dream to go out and, and do this, do it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't care if mom and dad says you suck, you know. <laughs> or if your music teacher says you suck. <laughs> or if your music teacher says you suck. Because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I, I do. I, I am professional. I, I, I do good. I... <laughs> And you can, as I said, you can use me as a reference. Eric Lee is going to give you the keys to the Lamborghini. <laughs> I'm going to give you the keys to the Lamborghini. <laughs> That's, I feel like this, if we take like little sound bites out of this, this is just like, this is a great lesson for if you want to pursue music. And guess what? If you spin this around and turn it on its head, this is a great life lesson, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you and I, we're in the same shoes, playing solo shows when we may or may not have had um, the, the right to do so. <laughs> right. You kept going. And look where you're at. Absolutely. I was so self-conscious and worried about what other people were going to think. I stopped. You know, and look where I'm at. I'm not playing solo shows anymore. You are, you know, so. Yeah, don't be like this guy. Be like me. Yeah, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) This man is amazing, too. But that's the thing, though, is like, uh, if you have a dream, chase it. Don't listen to what everyone else says. Don't spend the time thinking, like, I'm not good enough and psych yourself out over the whole thing, too. Because that's. Absolutely. That's what gets me more often than not, it's not somebody else saying something or somebody else acting a certain way or being like, you're not good. It's me just being like, I'm not good enough to play for these people. Yeah. And it will not all be sunshine and rainbows. Uh, (laughs) I, I can list like, I'm not joking here. When I say this a couple months ago, I want to say, Oh, maybe it was just a month ago. It was like August. I set the guitar down. I was so upset. I, I said, I was done with music. I'm never doing this again. I lost all motivation. Like, I decided to go get a full-time job. I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, it, don't, don't, don't do that. It, you will have these ups and downs almost all the time. It has zero salt. You, you, you can psych yourself out into believing you're worthless when you're worth the moon. Mm-hmm. And that's something you just need to keep in your head, you know. Don't don't psych yourself out. That's moral of the story. I think that's a perfect way to end it. That's that's great advice for anybody, regardless of your talent level, regardless of what you're doing. Music, um, 
any hobby you have. I don't care if you quilt. I don't care if you're like, <laughs> you know, does not matter if you like woodworking, keep going, you know? So mm-hmm. what if that, you know, birdhouse wasn't the greatest? You, next one's going to be awesome. You know, yeah. so. And if it isn't, it's going to be better than the last one. It'll, oh, oh my God. That's, that's what it is. It's going to be better than the last one. The only way to keep getting better is to keep getting better. And you have to mm-hmm. go out there and do it. And you're out there doing it. You're crushing it. You rumored possibly releasing maybe an original song. I'm stoked. Um, now, now that's like put out there into the universe and it's got to come into fruition somehow. So. And hey, uh, I do still perform that song in its very rough state at jam nights. So if you, uh, want to catch it, come over to Barnum, uh, Barnum, Iowa. Yeah, have you, have jam you, nights every Tuesday. Have you ever performed it live at one of your shows? That, that's the next step. All right. Go see an Eric Lee show. Suddenly hollow. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. There's links down below for all the goodies. Uh, Eric, is there anything I haven't talked about that we wanted to talk about? Uh, shameless self-promotion. We got merch. Nice. Uh, yes. We got sweatshirts. We got t-shirts. We got stickers. Uh, potentially hats. We'll see. Uh, just hit us up on Facebook. Uh, if you type in suddenlyhollow.com, take it straight to the Facebook page. Nice. We got a, We got a Twitter. We got an Instagram, which I let Fader run, and it's amazing that I have to run everything now. It's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Yeah, oh, my I, gosh. I, I, as I said, I'm a in, very insecure person, and <clears throat> or not insecure. Anyway, well, that kind of fits, too, but <laughs> a very antisocial person. There you go. But uh, so running social media is still tough for me. I don't like talking, even thinking someone's going to consider this as, you know, as a conversation. I, I get it, dude. It's it's so tough to be like, look at me, love me, uh, you know, just go online, like, look at this cool picture of me, I'm so cool. It's so tough to go out there and do that, but pe- yeah. people like watching it, people like seeing it, it's the way it is, and mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, quick, uh... Also, I do want to say that the hoodies are awesome. Lots, multi-multi-color uh, mul- design, uh, very well detailed, love it. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a bit pricey at the moment, where as prices hopefully go down, we will start pushing them a lot more and hopefully our prices will go down as you know a result of that i found out firsthand hoodie prices went through the went through the roof during covid (laughs) covid killed the covid killed the hoodies that's for sure i asked why they were so expensive and it's apparently because there is a zipper shortage because the majority of zippers come from like one chinese factory that they like are having like import issues with which is like what i was told which is like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. About. Like, that's why this hoodie now at my cost is four dollars and ninety cents more than the last mm-hmm. batch I bought pre. That doesn't make any sense because of the zipper. Like, I'll tell you what, give me a zip up hoodie with buttons on it. You know, G F Y. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, before we wrap this up, a uh, quick shout out. Uh, I did this last time. Uh, I think I'll start with the same ones I did last time. Owen O'Brien best friend you know he keeps me going he keeps me getting better and better every day so does jeremy ober the man who teaches lessons probably you don't the biggest inspiration to me musically locally if not for my father mm-hmm. sorry jeremy you're, you're one you're one notch down uh, <laughs> and then clint riedel um <laughs> uh, alejandro trevino I, I mentioned him last time so uh then veda scott thank you for being like the one to push me vocally, because if not for her, I would probably be still singing out of key. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, it's it's so much fun having you around here. I I love your your outlook on everything. You you take this all seriously, but you also take it not seriously. It's like it's all with a grain of salt. You're doing your best. You're performing your best. You're practicing. And like I said, you're taking it seriously, but you're not like, dude, I am so cool. And you're not like purposefully not talking to people and walking around with shades and a leather jacket on, just like ah, I'm just I'm the coolest man. Like you know, and that's oh jeez, oh, oh kitty cat, a kitty on the Patreon. But yeah, that's like uh, it's worth the money. Yes, it's worth the $1 a month. Uh, but, dude, I, that's one of the things, uh, like you said, you've, you've come up with so many perfect nuggets for this uh, podcast that are not just musical lessons, but life lessons. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you're still very young. It's mind-blowing to think that you're, you're coming to these realizations as young as you were when it took me until my mid-30s to come to some of these realizations. So um, you're on your way. I really appreciate you sitting down taking time. Thank uh, you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to uh, new music coming out from you. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, ho- hopefully we'll get that pretty soon. I need to, <laughs> we need to wrap this up because this cat is just destroying He, he is everything. looking for all the loves. Yep. All right. Down you go for a second, <laughs> cat. All righty. So, Eric, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah. We'll have a good one. Lots of wise words coming from a young man. Uh, don't sleep on Eric. I said it in the intro kid's getting talented he's he's just the last time i saw him at jam night it was just like man this guy's commanding that microphone it's it's great to hear him go out there and sing i i just i wish i could sing but that's it also comes down to he's practicing he's practicing and getting better that's what that's 200 and some episodes that seems to be the thing that is always talked about practice yeah that's how you get better and it's guess what it's not a lie people aren't saying it just to be coy it's it's for serious and eric's out there putting in the hard work and it shows so i do want to make sure that uh, i do mention that eric has a show coming up i i know that he had messaged it to me let me pull this bad boy up all right oh suddenly hollow's next show is october 15th that's coming up pretty quick it's only a few weeks away so make sure you check it out there's links in the description section for suddenly hollow so make sure you check out that description section click on all the links like and follow and all the good stuff for Eric. Uh, make sure you share it with your buddies. If, you've, if you're listening to this and you're like, this is a great episode with Eric, just share it directly from wherever you're listening to. Just boom, send it off to somebody. Say, hey, uh, I know you know Eric. This is going to be a great episode. I think you should listen to it. It's really fun. It's a nice interview. And, uh, you know, that's the word of mouth. That's the best way. So uh, maybe if you're going to that Suddenly Hollow show on October 15th, you tell your buddies and say, hey, uh, we want to go see Suddenly Hollow. The cool part about that show on October 15th, I should mention, it's at Shiny Top, and he's going to be opening up for Lone Tree Revival. Uh, Lone Tree Revival is a North Central Iowa band with full horn section in the whole nine yards. Uh, amazing. Uh, amazing. And he gets to open up for them. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty sweet. That's all i got to say about that. That's pretty sweet. So make sure you check him out online, the Suddenly Hollow links down below, so you don't miss out on any of the shows that Eric's doing. And uh, yeah, I, I just got to say once again, thanks to Eric for sitting down talking with me. I know we were kind of trying to get a, a podcast scheduled out here and uh, we did it on short notice. So I, I appreciate that, Eric. Thank you very much. And uh, I do also got to tip the cap at Eric's dad. Eric's dad's an amazing person. He's out there supporting him 24-7, taking him to jam nights, playing in bands with him. Uh, I heard him singing back up the other night. Eric's dad can sing. Or yeah, Eric's dad can sing too. So uh uh, 
pretty sweet you know nate maybe you should get a backup mic at the shows i don't know <laughs> otherwise yeah make sure you check out the links down below thanks eric for uh being on the podcast and thank you guys for sitting down and listening to the episodes uh it's, it's fun to sit down and talk with musicians around the area around the state and see what's going on if you guys are looking for more content like this go to audiblefarm.com you can find links to all of the audible farm goodness the youtube the Instagram, the Facebook. Make sure you subscribe on all those. If you're listening on YouTube right now, hit subscribe. It takes you two seconds. You won't miss another episode, and it makes me smile. It just makes me smile so much when I see that subscription go up. Otherwise, go to Facebook, give us a like. If you're on Instagram, make sure you uh, go over there and follow us on Instagram as well. Otherwise, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. A lot of podcast services offer uh, reviews and and five stars and one stars and whatever you want to leave uh just leave us a comment let us know what you think uh let us know what you thought of the episode and uh yeah send this bad boy off to some buddies if you know anybody that knows eric and they would want to listen to this say hey this is this is where it's at right here eric's got an episode out and it's great so uh just want to say thanks once again to eric and thanks once again to everybody for listening i am out of here for the week peace